Greetings, Uni of Westlake. Thank you for inviting me this morning. And so as we get started, I want you to get your cell phone out. You might want to lower the volume, but have it on picture, have it on camera. You might want to take some pictures of these slides. And sit back and relax like this little minion friend of mine. And my email address is alberthasselbeck at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to me. And my website is paulhasselbeck.com, where you can find my weekly blog, The Absolute Word, as well as the things I'm doing around the country. And finally, my podcast is located at metaphysicalrontutist.com. I do that with the Reverend Doctors Bill and Cher Holton, and I'm delighted to announce that our podcast is number 16 out of the 30 best metaphysical podcasts in the world. Woohoo! Okay, Point of Power. Oh my goodness, this was the first book I wrote. It was a book I never intended to publish. But a friend of mine at a retreat asked me if I'd ever written a book. And I said, yeah. And she said, let me read it. And I said, no. I just read it and wrote it for myself. And and she insisted and insisted. I gave her a copy, printed out from my computer. She read it overnight. And when she came back to retreat, she said, Paul, this book must be published. And so... Here we are, and you have chosen it for your fall program. And so, all of this begins with my story. So, this is a beautiful picture of San Juan, Puerto Rico. That's where I was living in 1987. And that fort was called El Moro. Let me see, I got some notes here. Um, it took 250 years for the Spanish to build this fort. Think about this. They started the fort and they built and they built for 250 years. Now that's long-term planning, isn't it? And so that's the fort. Now this is a picture that arrow is pointing to where my dental practice was in 1987. And that morning when I woke up, it was beautiful in January. The weather in Puerto Rico is ideal. In this case, it was probably in the mid-70s. And I came to work. It was a happy day. The weather was beautiful. My staff were there. And I started my practice that, that morning. Now, what happened that wasn't usual was a person showed up to my practice. And he was in last stage, stage four AIDS. And according to him and his mother, he had been to 10 previous dentists who had, per- who had de- de- declined them service. Well, my way of thinking was, my way of thinking still is, I signed an oath that I would treat patients, whoever came through my door. And so I treated this young man And during the treatment, I slipped with an instrument right into the palm of this hand. And six months later, I tested positive for HIV AIDS. 
the doctors at that time told me I had two years to live. Well, I had the thought, Jesus got a lot done in three years. I wonder what I can get done with two. And so what happened is one night I woke up and I had this phrase repeating over and over in my brain or in my mind or in my consciousness. And so uncharacteristically, I got up and wrote it down. You will find that whole transcript in the beginning of the book. But the thing that came at the end was this. Age is not a call to death, but a call to life. Age isn't a call to take, but a call to give. Age is not a call to sleep, but a call to awaken. Awaken to your true potential and reality. Well, friends, it took me five years for me to be able to share this without breaking down crying. This was truly a mystical experience. Now, look, I would never call myself a mystic, but many of us have mystical experiences. And this was my rally. This was what I thought of. This is what I focused on as a way I showed up in life as well as a rallying call to be the best I can be. And so, whatever's present in your life right now, you see those X's? That's where you could put divorce is not a call to death, or cancer is not a call to death. Just name it, and you can replace those in there, and you can help convert something that's seemingly negative in your life into something positive. So we're going to start with chapter one, God. Seems like a reasonable starting place. So in there you will find this quote, I can use the bad stuff in my life to prove that God is love. And I can, I can use the ugly stuff. I can use the good stuff. The point is everything in our lives is raw material, and how we use it, in that use, we teach ourselves who we think we are, and we demonstrate to the world who we think we are. And so, for me, God is the presence, that is the truth of what I am, the truth of what I am that makes every intersection of my life an intersection of love. Now, I might say it differently now. That would be that would be like my 2004 call, or if you're listening to the 2023 call. But even so, the importance of that statement still holds. So God is the presence that is the truth. That is, when we say truth, we mean something that doesn't change, that is immutable, and is always true. And it's the truth of what I am, of what you are. It's our innate divinity. And when I'm aligned with my innate divinity, I can make every intersection of my life, everything in my life, 
an intersection of life. Why? Because we are fully divine and fully human. You are fully divine and fully human. And so when we go prayfully to the silence, we have the capacity to make choices from the point of all knowing, everywhere present, and all powerful qualities of God. We can go prayerfully to the silence. You see, when we go to the silence, when we sit down to pray or sit down to meditate or maybe to do both, when we do that, we are harmonizing, we are synchronizing our humanity with our divinity. And because of that, from the point of the all-knowingness of our divinity, that every pre- everywhere present of our divinity, as well as the all-powerful qualities of God, are available to us. Now notice, there I said powerful qualities of God. Today, I would say God does not have qualities. God is the qualities. So each of the 12 powers, for instance, are 12 qualities. Not that God has, but that God, or our divinity, is. And so from this quote from Prosperity, Charles Fillmore says, God is the principle of power. God does not exercise power. You see, God is the principle of power. We use it to be powerful. God is not powerful as we've been actually taught from a very young age. God is the principle of power, but God does not exercise power. God has no agency. But man, humankind, men and women are powerful. Or we could say, have the capacity to be powerful. And then from New You Magazine, from one of my most favorite authors, E.V. Ingraham, wrote, Man already has all the power there is. You have the principle of power right there at the fingertips. Eric Butterworth said, God is spirit, present in its entirety, at every point in space at the same time. So every quality, every power, every principle, every law that God is, is present within each of us. Not once, but a multitude of times. We already have all the power there is. All the principle of power there is. Every one of the twelve powers and many more principles. But Abraham went on to say, but man has either repressed his forces or directed them in wrong channels. You see, these powers, these principles, don't tell us how to use them. We use them any way we want. Anyway, Abraham goes on to say, man had the power to demonstrate disease in the face of omnipresent power. Think about that. You are so powerful that even though you know the very principle of health is at the point of you, you can misuse it. 
to demonstrate his deeds. And likewise, we have the power, you have the power, I have the power to demonstrate God's deeds in the presence of inexhaustible substance. Well, what is this inexhaustible substance? Well, the use of this word substance here means every principle and every law. Or we could say every divine idea and every law. And don't we know that every idea can be used an unlimited number of times by an unlimited number of people to manifest an unlimited number of results? Now, isn't that a demonstration of prosperity? And yet, even though we may know that, we still can express, we can still demonstrate poverty. That's how powerful you are. See, God isn't powerful over you. You have power and control over your divinity as divine ideas or principles. And then from an unpublished source, Charles Fillmore said, there is but one power. I've probably said this quote with you before. We use it, we use power as we will. If we send it out by our thought and word and hate, it destroys. But if we send it out in love, it builds. There are not two powers, but there are two ways of using power. And actually, folks, there's a whole range of ways you can use this principle of power. There's a whole range of ways you and I can be powerful. So that brings us to chapter 6. The title is Lessons and Misattributions. <laughs> if there is one thing I hear over and over again, it's this. And it's commonly heard. Life is teaching us lessons. God is teaching us lessons. The universe is teaching us lessons. Are you noticing that these are really victim statements? That all of life teaches me lessons. That God is doing something to me. That the universe is doing something to me. That is victim consciousness. And like I said earlier, God doesn't have agency. God doesn't have the ability to teach us lessons. And one more thing. And it's similar to those. That's why I share it. Everything happens for a reason. And most of us, at least I did up until a few years ago, I thought that meant that God had a reason for this thing happening. But then again, we are saying God has agency. God does something. And it's nullifying our free will and our power. Well, maybe you've heard of Maxine. She's a creation of Hallmark Cards. If you haven't, Google her. She is brilliant. So here's one. She says, I believe everything happens for a reason. Usually the reason is that somebody screwed up. I hope you laughed at that like I did when I first read it. 
because that's really what happened. So, you see, the events themselves were not teaching me anything. They were simply events. Events are not causative. The events do not cause you or me or anyone to think or feel anything. They don't cause you to act or react. They simply are. And when we learn that, we stand firmly in that point of power. I am the point of power. You are the point of power. Saving sickness. I am the point of power. I am the one who chooses the lesson I learn. There is no person, no event, no God, no universe that's teaching us anything. You decide what you learn. I deserve decide what I learn. So here's an example. Here's a corgi. I haven't built wealth corgi. Maybe you've seen some. The most famous person who had corgis, of course, is the recently passed Queen Elizabeth II. Well, if Queen Elizabeth saw a dog or a corgi, corgi, she would want to walk up and pet it. But if a person who was afraid of dogs saw this corgi, they would just remove themselves. They would be afraid. They would escape. They would run away. But yet, it's the same corgi. It wasn't the corgi causing Queen Elizabeth to get excited and pet the corgi. It was Queen Elizabeth doing that because of the belief she was holding. And the corgi did not cause the person to be afraid and shrink away and go away. It was the same corgi. It was the thoughts and beliefs that a person holds. That person was holding whenever she sees a dog because she probably had a bad experience with a dog when she was younger. So I had a house fire. And when I was standing on my front lawn, a neighbor came up to me and said, Carl, Carl, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to redecorate. Because I knew the house fire had no way of causing me to think or feel anything. The same was true with HIV and AIDS. For years, I did support groups. I did attitudinal healing groups in English and Spanish in Puerto Rico. And what I noticed is, is the people, the men and women, who took it as a death sentence, they died quickly. But the ones who took this as an opportunity, that used it as an opportunity to wake up, to connect more with their inner divinity, to be more alive, to be more present, they lasted longer. And friends, I don't know what happened to me. I was supposed to be dead in 89. But I'm here now, still, enjoying life and enjoying being with friends like you. And you know what people used to say? And they still say it. They'll say, AIDS left me. Or cancer left me. 
or the fire bless me, or the the divorce eventually bless me. But what I'm here to tell you is none of those things bless me. All of those things were merely events. You decided. I decided to use this event to join more, to love more, to to be more alive. Because none of these things are causative. They might be there might be correlations between those things and how you think and feel, but that's a correlation between the event and what's going on in you. They're not causative. Remember that. Whenever you're in the midst of an event or something negative, remember you are a point of power. So ask yourself, what can I choose to learn? How can I use this? How can I use even this to love more, to join more? How can I use this to bless myself and others? Those are important questions. They help move us from a human victim level to a ontological level of our innate divinity. And isn't that all what we want to be? So friends, I know you're going to enjoy this journey being a point of power and sharing together. I don't expect you to agree disagree with it all. I don't now. But there are important things in this. And the more you invest yourself, the more you'll learn and hopefully apply in your daily life. Thank you for listening.